0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to our first service of 2024, and uh, let me first of all wish you a very happy new year, uh, and welcome to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church. My name is Duncan, I serve as the pastor here, and it's a real delight to come to gather together to praise God's name, and I suppose that is the greatest thing that we could, we could wish for at the start of a new year, or indeed the start of any day is to have our thoughts of God made bigger and for us to understand who He is. And to help us do that, we hear uh, Him speak to us from the pages of His Word. And so, we're going to start with a reading from Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40 is one of these great mountain peaks in the Bible, one of these uh, elevated passages that really leave us in awe of who God is. It's that chapter that asks the questions like, who has measured the waters in the hollow of His hand, and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance? You see, when we have that kind of understanding of who God is Well, it really does shrink down our problems significantly. But the chapter ends like this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Here is this remarkable message that God delivered to His people, that this God, who is so great So immeasurably great in every respect is the God who comes near to give strength, to lift up those who are weary and who are faint. And it's that same God who we come before today to worship.
1: Good morning. May I wish you each and every one of you a very happy new year, and may you be blessed with God's glory, grace, and love. Our reading this morning, do not be anxious. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet you, sorry, you Heavenly Father, feed them. Are you not of more value than that? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grace of the field which today is alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Thanks be to God.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, in these in these family services, we try to follow on with the curriculum that the junior church are using, and in junior church, so I'm told, you've been recently learning about Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and you started in chapter 5, and this is a part of chapter 6, part of that same sermon. Um, the, those verses Elizabeth read for us are printed in the diary if you want to follow along as we consider them. And they're very, very relevant verses, because, you know, people in Britain have never worried more. There's never been more people who experience anxiety than there are right now in our country. And by anxiety, I mean a looking to the future with feelings of worry, with feelings of fear, and not just feeling those things sometimes but actually feeling like that's with you all the time. And so listening to Jesus speak about people being anxious and telling us reasons not to be worried is surely a good thing for us today. Because here we hear Jesus speak precious words for anxious hearts. He says in verse 25, don't be anxious about your life about what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Now, if we're honest, those are not the things that we worry about today. I don't think there will be many of us here today who worry about what food you'll get tomorrow, unless you're coming to the curry night and you're not a spice kind of guy, right? You don't worry about where our food is coming from, about what clothes we're gonna put on, But Jesus spoke these words nearly 2,000 years ago in a community that depended upon the success of farming to get their food. They needed their farm, they needed their crops to survive, they needed their livestock to survive if they were going to generate the money they would need to live day to day. And so for many people, there was no certainty about where next month's or even next week's food was going to come from. It was something that was very easy for them to be worried or anxious about. But that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't have something to say to us. What sort of things do you think people get worried about today? Going back to school tomorrow could be one. What if I fail those exams? What if I fail that test It's always the what-ifs, I think. What if I don't have enough money? What if I get sick? What if I have an accident? What if I don't get that job that I want? What if I don't make friends? What if my children fall ill? These are the kind of what-ifs that people worry about. Now, it's one thing to be able to say what the things are we worry about, but sometimes it can be harder to work out why we worry about those things. Because we all, from time to time, will worry about something. Well, one of the most common reasons that people worry is because we don't like it when we're not in control. We want to be in control of everything. And when we realize there are things we're not in control of, then we worry. You see, the worrying that Jesus speaks about is worrying about tomorrow. Think about that in His day. Will there be a drought? Will there be a flood? Will there be food to eat? Will there be water to drink? And any time that we look to tomorrow, we're looking at something we are not in control of. There's lots of people here who have had a day all planned out and instead have found themselves in hospital for a variety of reasons. Because you just don't know. You're not in control. And so how do we not go crazy with worry about what could happen tomorrow? Well, Jesus here in Matthew 6 gives us reasons not to be worried about what might happen. And in this part of the service, I want to show you one big reason And it's this. He says, you don't need to worry about tomorrow because you have a heavenly Father. You have a heavenly Father. Jesus is here talking to His disciples and twice in these verses He refers to God as their heavenly Father. He wants them and He wants us to understand something about God. Jesus is outdoors. He's he's climbed up a hill to do this teaching. And uh, I picture this moment in his sermon like this. It's as if Jesus is making this point, and he looks up, and he points, and he says, look. Look at these birds. They don't sow seed. They don't reap crops. They don't store away things in barns like humans do. And yet, God's providing for them. Jesus says, learn from the birds. Let me ask you a question out here. Spot quiz. How do birds you've got to be under twelve to answer? How do twelve? How do birds get their food? Yes. You just tell me that again. They find it. They find it. They go looking for it and they find it. What sort of places will they find it? In the ground? In the ground? Any other ideas? Where else do birds get their food? Oh, yes. Nice and loud. Seeds? Yes. Am I not hearing properly? Fish? Oh, they go fishing. Yeah, of course they do. Wonderful. Some of them do. Anything else? Anything else? Last chance? I mean, there's going to be some youngsters here who are all over this wildlife and nature stuff. You've got got all this information bursting to come out. How else do birds get their food? Yes. They fly. Yes. So I guess if they're fishing, they've got to fly. They've got to fly to get it. So sometimes you'll see them in in your garden. They're they're, they're trying to tease worms out of the ground. There's some other birds that just eat dead things. They wait for a dead corpse of something to be around, and they'll pick the flesh off it. There's others that go fishing, and there's others that just uh, count on you putting out seeds on their bird feeders, making them very lazy. You see, the point is, Jesus says, God provides food for these birds, but He doesn't just drop that food into their mouths, right? They go and they get it, they have to work to get it. God provides for them day by day, and they're not anxious about where their meals are coming from. Now, your heavenly Father, says Jesus, He does that for them. Do you know how much more valuable than birds are that you are to God? Do you know how much more valuable than birds you are to God? If He's feeding them, don't you think He'll provide for you? All right, here's our next spot quiz, Alan's going to help us with this one. This is where I am utterly out of my league. Here's a picture. Name that flower is our spot quiz. (laughs) So we start off with under 12s, and if they need help, then you older folks can come in. Right, can someone name this flower? Anyone who's not answered yet, name this flower, yes. Sunflower, yes, okay, a point over there. Next one. Can you name this flower? Tulip, well done. Oh, wonderful. Yes, it's a tulip. Next one. Yes. Daffodil. Lovely. Now, we're starting to separate the, the men from the boys, if I can say that. I need to check what this one is. Okay. <laughs> yes. Orchid. Wowee. Well done. Okay. Next one. Yes. Very good guess, but it's not a lotus flower. Yes, a what, a lily, it's not a lily, yes, a rose, it is not a rose, anyone over 12 can jump in now. Are you going to put your hand up, I'm not having muttering, yes, no not an almond, yes, oh my goodness, no, last chance, David. No, it is magnolia, lovely, well done, whew, that was tough, all right, two more to go, don't panic, two more to go, who knows what this is, Samuel, Daisy, perfect, and last of all, who knows what these are, yes, no they're not, but I can see why you would think that, not vanilla, yes. These are lilies, and Jesus, in his sermon, he says, not just look at the birds, he says, consider the lilies in the fields. So, something like this. Look at how they grow. Learn from the flowers, Jesus says. They don't work, they don't make clothes for themselves, and yet they are the most beautiful things to appear on planet earth. Not even Solomon, who was the great king of Israel, who had all of the luxury, all of the wealth, all of the fine clothing. And Jesus says, not even Solomon was dressed as nicely as the grass of the field is, because the grass of the field has been dressed with these beautiful flowers. And He says, and you know what grass is, right? Grass isn't terribly important. It's here today. In fact, we dig it up and we throw it in the fire. But if God makes the grass clothed as beautifully as that, don't you think He'll provide for you? Because, believe me, you are far more precious to God than the grass in the field, more precious than the birds in the air. This is what it means to have God as our Heavenly Father. And Jesus has come to give us this sort of relationship with God the one who trusts in Jesus is adopted into Jesus' family. We can call God our heavenly Father. And He's come to do that by becoming one of us. The Bible says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us His brothers. And we could say His brothers and sisters. He's not ashamed to do that. He's become one of us. He's come to earth as a human being, lived the perfect life that we could not and have not lived, and He's given Himself so that all of the things that would separate us from God, that would keep us out of His family, all of our sins, He's borne them away through His death on the cross. So that whoever trusts in Him is made part of God's family and can have this great assurance that we don't need to worry about tomorrow because we have a heavenly Father who provides for his people. Now, I have a 10-minute challenge for our junior church folks. So, anyone under, under, under 12, I guess, is that kind of number. And I need you in the next 10 minutes to work together to produce for us A large picture which will remind us of the things we've just been speaking about, okay? So I want to see a large picture with birds, and I want to see flowers, okay? Now, it might not be everybody's cup of tea to draw, but it's going to be very helpful for everyone else. So at the end, we're going to line it up at the front here and show everybody and remind everybody to learn from the birds and learn from the flowers. So we've got pens up at the front here, I'm going to lay this out on the side please do come down and get to work. And I am going to speak to the grown-ups. All right. Plenty of space for everybody. Okay. Pens here, guys. just come and help yourself if you need more. Okay. Um, The other reason, so there's there's, um, probably if you lay it out, there are at least six, maybe seven reasons in those verses in Matthew 6 why Jesus says, you don't need to be anxious. I want to think of them just in these two broad categories. First of all, you you have a heavenly Father, just as we thought about. And second of all, Jesus says, don't be anxious because well, it makes no sense to be anxious, not for a follower of Jesus anyway. Now, I think it's important to be clear about what Jesus is not forbidding here. He's not saying that you shouldn't ever think about these sorts of things that might make you worry. He's not saying don't ever think about it. I think if you read the authorized version, it says something like, give no thought to. It doesn't actually mean don't give any thought to, not saying you shouldn't think about it. I mean, he's saying think about the birds. He's saying think about the the flowers and how that relates to food and clothing. And he's not saying that you shouldn't make plans around these things. He's not saying you shouldn't plan for your retirement, not even saying that you shouldn't tuck something away for a rainy day. The word anxious that Jesus uses is the same word that he uses when he explains the parable of the sower. You know, these seeds that fall on different types of soil. He says this, "Um, The seed that fell among thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares or the anxieties and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature It is this distracting, spiritually suppressing anxiousness and worry that Jesus is cautioning against here. So why does Jesus say not to do this? Why does He command not to be anxious? Well, you see verse 25, He says there, don't be anxious because, well, you know that life is about more than just these things. Life is about more than just these things. In other words, you know this isn't what you were made for. To be worried about chasing after money, to be worried about whether you'll have friends, to be worried about what might happen the next day. This isn't the sort of life that God made you to have. You know that life is about more than those things. But sometimes it's a much, much more difficult thing to live out that reality than it is to know that reality, isn't it? And for so many, tragic to say, the crippling worry that sometimes comes into our lives is because sometimes we're not convinced that life is about more than these things. We do get weighed down with thoughts of money, for example, because actually deep down we're not convinced that life is about much more than money, about finding our security in this world. Jesus says, don't be anxious because you know that life is about more than this. For the believer, for the disciple, the follower of Jesus, they know that their life is hidden with Christ in God. This is what life is. Jesus says, don't be anxious because this is the sort of thing These are the sorts of things that the Gentiles fret about. He says that in verse 32. And by saying that, he means those who don't believe in God, those who don't have this foundation of belief in God, having a heavenly Father, those who don't have that, they're the ones who are running about, chasing after all of these things, worried about food and drink and clothing. He says, but that's not who you are. You understand that life is about more than that. It's about knowing, and living for God. And verse 27, he says, now don't be anxious because worrying gains you nothing. He said you can't even add an hour onto your life by worrying. And we know that, don't we? And in fact, uh, studies would suggest that we do the opposite by worrying, not extending our life, but we shorten it. Verse 34, where the the sermon ends, or where this bit of the sermon ends, Jesus says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He's saying there, don't be anxious because not only can you not even add an hour to your life by worrying, he said, but actually, it can only, it can only be a waste of time. Worrying about tomorrow can only be a waste of time. Because imagine, if that thing that you've been worrying about really does come to pass tomorrow, well, you'll get there and you'll worry about it then as well as today. You've worried about it twice. But just imagine that thing that you're worrying about coming tomorrow doesn't come then you've worried unnecessarily. There's, there's a fruitlessness to worrying. It doesn't fix anything, and it tends to waste our time. But Jesus does not just say, ah, don't worry. He gives us a positive remedy, and it's those words that we've just been singing. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What Jesus does here is He resets our ambitions. He's saying, if you want to find your security in the things of this world, then you're headed for the realms of worry, because there is nothing in this world that is secure. No, He says, make your first priority in everything the kingdom of God. The furtherance of the kingdom of God in your life In the lives of those around you. Seek first God's righteousness, what God has declared to be right. Bring that to bear on every situation. Recognize that you are not in control of these things, and that God never designed you to be in control of these things, and trust the God who is in control of these things. And so, if you are like many, have looked ahead into 2024, you see it stretched out before you, and you ask the questions, well, what will I do if? How would we cope if? What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? Well, Jesus is not saying, well, just trust in me and nothing bad will happen. That is not what He's saying. He's saying that God knows all about what's coming, and He has promised to give you grace for each day, and He promises to do that one day at a time. The resources that He's given you today, you need for today. Don't go squandering them on tomorrow. You need them today. Tomorrow's grace will come when tomorrow comes. And Jesus' words come to all of us. It's not one of us who isn't plagued by this to some degree or another. And Jesus' words are not here to condemn us. They are to show us that there is one in whom we can trust, in whom we must trust, one who not only has control over all things and not only control over all the things that we fret about, but He's exercising that control for your good, for your good. And Jesus Himself is the supreme example. If we were to walk with Him into the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before He's crucified. There He is weighed down with the prospect of what lies before Him, not just the physical suffering of being nailed to a cross, but being cursed by God, being the sin bearer, bearing the full penalty of sin on the cross, and the weight of that upon Him in the garden. God God the Father sends angels to minister to him. This is is the sort of weight that is upon Jesus. But what is it he prays in that situation? He prays, not my will, but your will be done. He seeks first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He entrusts himself to God. To live out that message from Jesus in Matthew 6, is a bit like what the psalmist says in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. And that's the conviction that we step into 2024 with. But there's no guarantee that we won't need to look up to the hills and see the threats that perhaps lie around us and wonder where is our strength going to come from? What will this year hold for us? Who knows? But our confidence is in the Lord, our provider, our keeper, our protector so that whatever may happen in this world in 2024, we know that because we belong to Jesus, because we have a heavenly Father, that we are safe with Jesus. What a foundation that brings to life. The capacity not to worry. Now, hey, there are some who are really weighed down with anxiety, and this this message is not to add to that weight, but it is to 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 encourage you to look again to the Lord. And come, if, if, if that's something that you're burdened with, we'd love to pray with you after the service. Come down to the front here and speak to me when we're done. We'd love to do that with you.